Well, good morning. I'm so glad to see you here. I want to make an invitation for you uh, before I get started. We're going to start a series tonight in the Sunday night service in the book of Nehemiah. It's going to be very enlightening. It's going to be applicable to us in our church as we are today. So I I really hope that you'll be here 6 o'clock tonight as we study the book of Nehemiah. Our message today is called making the most of your life how can you make the most of your life well we have to think of it this way the rest of our life starts today the decisions that you make today are going to shape your tomorrow we say how do you do that everything that we do today is going to affect our tomorrow we have a uh, problem with, with past sins, past problems. And they're going to be there part of our life for a very long time. But we have to understand that today begins the rest of your life. There's a story of the Bible, and I want to share this with you. It's in Genesis chapter 25, if you want to uh, open your Bibles to that. Um, I want you to understand this whole story to get to, and our, our text is in Galatians, and we'll get to that at the end of the message maybe, I don't know. But um, this, this story teaches us just what I'm trying to say, how decisions that you make today will affect your life forever. So let's stand in honor of God's word as we read from Genesis chapter 25. I'll begin in verse 21. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people from whom within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Isaac, loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name is called Edom, and I'll tell you why. Edom rhymes with the word red in the Hebrew language, and that's the whole deal there. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear it to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and and lentil soup, and he ate and he drank and he rose and he went his way. Thus Esau 
despised his birthright. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we see in this story how a decision we make is going to affect the rest of our lives. So help us, O oh God, to learn how to make right decisions each and every day so that our days will be blessed of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. We read here that Isaac and Jacob wanted to have a child. And so Isaac prayed and God granted that prayer and his wife conceived uh, twins. God gave her twins. So the two boys were born to the couple, Esau and Jacob, we read. And this morning, we're going to really just talk about Esau. We're going to look at that decision that he made and how it affected the rest of his life. Because in many ways, Esau was a great guy. He was the kind of guy most of you guys would have loved to hang around with. He was strong. He was bold. He was a little impulsive, but he was likable. He was the oldest son of the only God-chosen family on the face of the earth. He was heir to that line that offered the direct link to the Messiah and all the priestly and the princely rights that go along with it. In many people's eyes, he probably had a great many virtues, but he had three big problems. The first one was that he had no self-control. Esau was controlled by his compassion, by his passions. He was controlled by whims. He was sure that he was going to die. He could not go another day. He had to have something to eat right here, right now. He didn't know what he was doing. Well, he knew what he was doing, but he didn't understand what would that mean tomorrow. Another thing Esau had going against him is that he never did think about tomorrow. He lived for the day, for the here and now. Satisfy my desire right here, right now, not caring what would cost him tomorrow. And Esau judged things by what he saw. Now, when we think of the life of Esau, I want to think about the end of his life and, and what would be the epitaph that would be placed on his life. Well, God wrote it. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16, this is what God said about Esau, the end of his life. He said that no man is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Now, the word in that verse that is translated unholy carries the idea of irreligious, secular. Another translation of the Bible put the word godless. And, and rightly so. In other words, he, uh, uh, Esau wasn't touched by spiritual things. He didn't judge things by spiritual standards. And we go, oh, shame on you. But you know what? Very few of us do today. Even, even church folk. We don't judge things by spiritual things. We don't base our decisions based on the word of God. Most of our decisions are based upon the prevailing trends of the day. We're, we're looking at Washington. We're looking at Wall Street. We're, we're looking at Hollywood to make our decision, which way we should go, where we should invest, where we should go. Esau lived for the moment. He lived for the here and now. He didn't care about the future. 
He didn't plan for the future. And he didn't realize that what he did one day would shape his future. He traded his birthright, which is for the firstborn son, gave him a double portion of, of the inheritance. It gave him the responsibility of spiritually leading the clan. And he traded it all for a bowl of stew. The story teaches us what you do today will shape your tomorrow. The action you take today, the decisions you make today will shape your tomorrow. Now we come to our text, Galatians chapter 6. This is the Apostle Paul. I love this whole chapter, but verse 7 is where I want us to, to dwell upon. He said, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. The Apostle Paul is using a very common illustration of farming. Most of us have, now that Mother Day has passed, we have our garden broken and we've, we've planted our seed, we've planted the plants, we put it out there. And what Paul is saying is very simple. You put a corn seed into the ground, what do you expect? Of course you do. There was a great movie I, I watched, I forget the name of it, but, but this guy was a door-to-door -door salesman, sold these two men a bunch of seeds, peas and beans and corn, but everything was corn when it came up. I don't know how they didn't know that. But, but if you know that you've sown a corn seed, you're going to get corn. If you sow wheat, you're going to get wheat. That is the result of the harvest. Well, beloved, spiritually speaking, morally speaking, if you sow peace, you will reap peace. If you sow good, you will reap good. And of course, you know the law of the harvest. I'm not telling you anything you, you don't know. The law of the harvest is you reap what you sow. You reap after you sow. In other words, you plant that in the ground. You don't come back in a minute and, and you have 12 years of corn. You have to wait. You have to tend. You have to, you know, get it, let it happen. It, it happens after you sow. And the third law of the harvest is you reap more than you sow. One kernel of corn is going to give you 12 ears of corn with over 800 kernels of corn on it. That's pretty good um, investment. So what he says is you may now, uh, may, you may not get your reward today. And this is a problem. A lot of people make a decision and they go, I guess it's all right. It's been a week. It's been a month. It's been a year. Nothing has happened. I guess I'm okay. Not necessarily true. Because the law of the harvest says that you reap after you sow. And it doesn't tell us how much time. But you, not, you, you may not get the reward today, but I'm telling you this, you will get back what you sow. You're going to get it after you sow, and you're going to get more than you planted. So if you plant lies, you will reap that which a lie will produce. If you plant deceit, you will have life, a life filled with the fruit of your own actions. Well, there are testimonies, I guarantee you, all over this congregation right here in this morning service of people who can tell you about reaping 
what they have sown. And many of us have seen this played out again and again. People are reaping today what they have sown years and years ago. I think about the father who traded his family for his career. And he worked and worked and worked when he was young, and now that he's old, he doesn't have a relationship with his children because he never had a relationship with them to begin with. I can tell you of people who have a closet overflowing with clothes. They're surrounded by all the world's toys. They got the best house, the best car, the best boat, the best RV. But they're drowning in debt. They're worried about tomorrow. They are harvesting what they planted. I can remember not many years ago going up here to what is now Baptist Hospital and as I pulled in to go and make some visits, there would be people walking out. And you know what they got behind them? An oxygen tank. And here they go, shuffling down. They'd have to come out, turn left, and there was a gazebo down there. You know what they were doing? Yes! They were going to go down, turn that oxygen off, I hope, and then light up a cigarette. I'm like, don't you, you don't understand that. They're coughing all the way down there. They get there, they got to breathe a little bit, and then they light up a cigarette, reaping what they placed in their body. I just beg you, beloved, please don't waste your life. Begin today to make the most of your life. But how do we do that? How do we make the most of our life? I believe there are several steps that we have to make, and the first one is this. Here's number one. Decide today, right now, what you want to be. Decide right now in this service what you want to be. Everybody, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, decide what you want to be. And by that, I don't mean that you're going to be a doctor or lawyer. Decide what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be remembered as? Decide right now what you want to be like when you hit that finish line. Right now, decide what kind of life do you want to be able to look back on when you get to that finish line. Not the career life, the moral life. At the end of Esau's life, God wrote his epitaph. God said he was immoral, he was irreverent, he was ungodly. What will God say about you at the end of your life? Are you going to follow the world? Are you going to follow the Lord? One path will lead to riches in this earth. It's going to lead to happiness for a little while. It's, it's going to have pleasure for the moment. But the Bible says the end of that life is lonely. The end of that life is anguish. The end of that life is death. You'll live a cycle of regrets because of a decision you made. Cycle of regrets will keep you up at night. You're wondering, why did I do that? Well, if I just didn't do that, if I didn't say that, things would be so much different. And, and we just let that go. And it keeps you from serving the Lord. It keeps you from having good relationships today. 
What do you want to hear from God at the end of your life? Because, beloved, the, the same law of the harvest applies to the good things. You, you sow love, kindness, joy, peace. That is what you're going to grow in your life. That's what's going to come back to you multiple fold. You, you go around being the kind of neighbor that, that helps a person out. That's going to bless you. It's going to bless your name. It's going to bless your whole life. What do you want to hear God say at the end of your life? What will the epitaph be over your life? Don't you want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In order to make decisions about the kind of person you want to be, you have to ask yourself some questions. You have to ask yourself, what benefit will I receive? If I were to do this action, if I were to make this decision, what will I get out of it? If I make this decision, what will I get out of it? Won't, will it help me? Or is it going to hurt me? Will it pay off in the long run? Not the here now, like Esau, I want to have that now. I have to have that now. No. The long run, years from now, will this help me become who I want to be? Or is this going to haunt me all the days of my life? Will I regret this action? All Esau got was a bowl of stew. You know what happened the next day, the very next day? He got hungry. Yeah. But he lost his birthright forever it was gone another question we should ask what would jesus have us to do we find that as we study the word of god we read the word of god as we seek godly counsel ask questions ask for help i think that's the most important thing that we do not do anymore ask for help when you need it first of all ask god for help jesus said in john 16 24 he said, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. But James warns us, you desire and do, and do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. We need to ask. Ask for help. Ask God. Ask godly counsel. Ask a friend for help. Proverbs, I love Proverbs 27, 17. It says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. You know, sometimes we just need a running partner to encourage us, to keep us going. We, we need that, that person, weight training. They, they always have a spotter there to help you in case you can't get that last rep up. Beloved, we work better together when we hold each other accountable, when we help each other, when we encourage each other, which is why we come to church. The second step to make the most of your life is to get things right in your life. Get things right with God. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whosoever concealeth a transgression will not prosper. You try to hide that past. You try to hide that sin. It, it's going to flesh out. It's going to come about. He goes on to say, but he who confesses and forsakes them 
will obtain mercy. It's not just words, it's a lifestyle change. I'm going to forsake that sin. Listen, no one is perfect. And you're not going to be the first one to become perfect either. So when you make a mistake, admit it. Move on with your life. Because the more you try to hide, the more you have to remember, right? Uh, what story am I supposed to tell at, at this group? What lie did I say that I have to keep going with? That kind of lifestyle leads you to always be looking over your shoulder, always worried about your sin catching up with you. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sin to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Beloved, you hurt somebody's feeling. You did something wrong to someone. Go to them and ask them, have I done something? If you know what you did, just, just confess that. You know what? I was, it was a bad time in my life, and I did it. I said it, and I'm sorry. Get it right. Confess that. And the final bit of advice, you're going to like this one. Number three, run when possible. When it comes to bad things, bad decisions that we make, sometimes we just got to run. I'm serious. One of the best defenses against temptation is to just run away. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee youthful lust. Flee, run away. My friend, if you see a temptation coming and you can avoid it, run. Change the channel. Go outside. Whatever it's going to take, run away. Don't wait around. Kind of like Joseph, you know, when, when Potiphar's wife was trying to lure him, he ran away. That's how he did not fall. You drop a match, a lit match, in your lap. Are you going to sit there and watch it for a few seconds? You're going to jump, right? Get it put out immediately. That's what we need to do. We need to get rid of that sin. Don't wait around till tomorrow. You don't say, I'm going to let this match see how long it takes to start bringing pain. We run immediately. Don't wait for tomorrow. Between now and tomorrow, you might change your mind. You might say it won't be that bad. What you're doing is you're giving the devil a chance to talk you out of it by saying, I'll make that decision for good tomorrow. If you know... You need to deal with the temptation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till it's too late. The Bible says what we do is we give the devil a stronghold. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says, Do not let the sun go down upon your anger because you give and give no opportunity to the devil. That opportunity means a place, a stronghold. If you know that you need to deal with someone in your life, if you know that there is a, a habit that you need to stop, you know that there's a spiritual discipline that you need to add to your life? Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't say, let me think about it. Let me think about it. You know what let me think about it says? It says, no, I'm not going to do it. We need to make that decision today. What you do today will shape your tomorrow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this study in Esau's life. God, it just really shows us uh, so many things about how we 
have made some bad decisions and we have to live with it. Now I know, God, that we can confess our sin. You're faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Sometimes the consequences linger on, just like in the life of David. So many things that he did wrong and he suffered the consequence, but he still lived for you. And God, we can do that with your strength. And we pray that you would help us to do that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we come to this time of invitation, I, I want to, to pray about asking the Lord, what, what do you want me to do? What kind of person do you want me to become? For someone here today, he might be saying to you, I want you to become my child. You're lost. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. I want you to know we'll be here at the front, and we'll help you with that decision. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't, don't let the devil talk you out of it. Today is the day of salvation. God loves you with an everlasting love, and he has a great plan for your life. Christian friend, maybe there's some decisions you need to make for the Lord. Again, don't wait. You may just want to come here and pour your heart out to God. Whatever your need may be, as we stand together and as we sing, you come on this first stanza. Thank you.